Welcome to the American Dream in the Eyes of Immigrants podcast. I am your host, Heidi de la Cruz, and I am on the mission to change the narrative of immigration, one immigrant story at a time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. It's such a, you know, dear, near and dear to my heart topic. Um, so I love oh. talking about it. Um, certainly plenty of trials and, and, you know, ups and downs in that journey, but, but also so much to be grateful for. Um, and as you said, I, you know, I come from Czech Republic. I, um, immigrated to the U S in 1997, but it was for a short period of time. Really. It was not, it was not the plan. I grew up behind the iron curtain. So that, you know, had all kinds of, um, meaning um and it included certainly control from russia which meant that our education and uh, things like travel were controlled um and so you know i didn't we were not allowed to learn english um until high school we could pick up like a second language in high school but russian was actually mandatory in middle school so that's what i learned and then in high school i learned some English and um you know I went to we I went to very public school we didn't have sort of private schools I went to public school public high school that was sort of a prep school and my goal was to get into law school and um that didn't happen naively I applied to one and I thought that that would work out and it didn't and um suddenly I found myself without a job at home you know and yeah. um after the Velvet Revolution the job market was terrible um there were no jobs and I figured well maybe I'll go out there try to improve my English and uh see what you know what kind of jobs I can get when I get back but then things happen very very differently and please stop me anytime because I could go on and on uh, about this oh no go I go I'm I'm just thinking okay so you had mentioned about the the language that you guys weren't allowed to learn English so is that was that like intentional like you just wouldn't be allowed until a certain time okay Yeah. yeah it's fascinating you know we did not have access to western media um we couldn't travel to the West, uh, except for athletes. Um, and, and a lot of them then immigrated, right. They stayed out, um, yeah. if they got, um, to travel for their sports and yeah, but it's at the same time, fascinating Then in, in high school, we were allowed to add a second language, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but our textbooks were very much slanted, um, very sort of pro Russia, pro East, um yeah and so, you know it's it's fascinating right so so subsequently I had very um distorted ideas I think about the West in some way although I will say okay. that despite political persecution my dad would listen to Radio Free Europe which was not allowed and my mother would be terrified when he did that but um so that you know that certainly came uh, kept information coming our way as well mm-hmm. so we wouldn't be totally brainwashed um um so that that was great but but yeah i mean all of that certainly influenced what i was thinking about us right coming and yeah. and and frankly the 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 time that i flew to the us it was the very first time i was on an airplane um so first time flying first time leaving the country to a new country um It's funny that you mentioned, I mean, not funny, but like you mentioned that 
you guys didn't have that much influence of the West because mm -hmm. I, I typically do ask my guests, like if they had any expectations of the United States versus their reality, because a lot of guests do have access, right, to American TV, American music videos, American books and things like that. So like they get this idea of the U.S. based on, you know, the media, but then when they come here, it's different. So your, how was your, so tell me yours since yeah, yours yeah, is a little yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. So actually, so I was in high school when the Velvet Revolution happened in, in Czech Republic uh, or Czechoslovakia. And um, we, after that, we did get access to, um, I should say former Czechoslovakia, by the way, but we did after that get access to Western media. So, so we had some okay. information, you know, it wasn't like I could watch necessarily American TV, but the magazine mm -hmm. started coming in. And of mm -hmm. course we did learn some um, information like in my geography classes and, you know, yeah. so, so definitely had some idea and some um, distorted, um, mm -hmm. you know, images and, and thoughts about us for sure. It wasn't, I will say that even though sort of our textbooks were, uh, distorted toward like slanted toward Russia and, and Eastern influences, um, I think that our information was more like filtered. I, I don't think that it was necessarily portrayed America, the bad okay. necessarily, but it was, it was mm -hmm. filtered. It was minimal, so it was affected. So yeah, I did, I still had, right. Um, um, and even listening to the radio for Europe and, and seeing some images, right. I still had an idea, uh, preconceived yeah. notions about the U S and, and they didn't necessarily play out because if I had those ideas, they might have been from like LA and Hollywood. Right. And, and New York. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and yeah. ultimately I did land in New York, New York city. Right. So I come from a fairly small town. So to land in New York city was, was definitely overwhelming. After a week, I was ready to just run. I was like, get me out of here. This is way too much. It's exciting, but also way too much. I love the food, right? So many different cuisines. And so that was exciting, but also I was ready. And ultimately I came to be an au pair and that was in Columbus, Ohio. And that was much more manageable for me, you know, um, and I remember back then, um, one, I didn't own a telephone. I didn't have a phone. Like we didn't have a phone at home. I didn't have a cellular phone. And and we certainly didn't have GPS, right? So, and even in Columbus, that is much smaller than New York City. I remember driving with a map and being lost all the time. And yeah, a lot of things to adjust to for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, you stated the whole overwhelming. So I do ask, like, how did you feel when you first arrived? Like, if you remember or like what really impacted you when you first got here? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So my plane landed at like 2 a.m., which, um, you know, Europe is my country was six hours ahead. Right. So I am tired mm -hmm. as can be. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. And here I am in the middle of the night in New York City. And I had instructions from the opera agency to strictly take the yellow cab. But you're so tired. You're dragging these two big luggage, right, suitcases. And I got in a, in a cab that was like 
kind of a limo of sorts black limo like it was and I was terrified because I'm like oh my god everyone told me I have to get into yellow cap and nothing else and now I am in this who knows where they are taking me right yeah um yeah and then also I didn't have much money to my name so I had a couple of bucks in my pocket and of course the the ride was a lot more expensive he did end up taking me to the hotel that I needed to go to so that was all fine um but I didn't have enough money um, oh. to actually pay for it. So um, I still owe him money. Um, oh, no. I gave him all I had. I actually gave him all I had. Um, I think I kept like 10 bucks or something like that. And, and that was it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So you came with the au pair program. How did you, well, tell us a little bit, what, what is the program and how did you hear about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's a good question. How did I hear about it? I think I heard from friends um, and sort of did some research at home and con- contacted them. Um, their main agency was in Prague in the capital city. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's basically a live-in nanny, you know, and I figured mm-hmm. that what a better way to improve my English than to really immerse myself and live with the family. Of course, that means room and board is provided. Plus I really like children right so it seemed yeah. perfect um that's what I did yeah so lived with so were you like how did you feel like okay having to live with this family having to take care of the kids how was that yeah it was fascinating to me because they had a seven-year-old and I was their seventh nanny so every year they would get oh. a new au pair and I was thinking how can they do that? You know, we didn't, so I didn't grow up with nannies. No one in my country had nannies. And I'm like, that's a stranger every year. Like, how do they do that? Right. Um, So that was fascinating to me. And then they had a newborn coming in and I'm like, Ooh, I have taken care of children before, but not newborns, you know, but it it was, it was such a great experience. I mean, the children were wonderful. Um, and uh, the the family, they were two physicians, you know, it was, it was, it was really great experience. I mean, of course, um, you know, I have since because I work in, in mental health, and I have worked in college mm-hmm. counseling centers, I have done many presentations on cross cultural adjustment. So I now looking back, mm-hmm. understand that so much better. Um, and and literally, right, if we think about the cross-cultural adjustment and the culture shock, what, what I describe as a U-curve, right? So you start with the excitement, oh my goodness, I'm going to the US, this is going to be exciting, yeah. you come in and everything is wonderful and it's great. And then, you know, within a couple of months, the reality kind of starts setting in like, ooh, and mm. now I'm stuck here and I don't like their food <laughs> and, you know, all of these things. And, and before you know it, you find yourself at the bottom of the U-curve, you know, and you suddenly really dislike the states you know you dislike the food the people um all of that but but you know that was probably four or five months into it and then you kind of realize well I'm here I better you know make friends try to travel as much as I can and just sort of adopt and yeah by you know well before the year was over I was back to like I love it here and Mm -hmm. you know there's so many opportunities and I started looking into schools actually going back to school it was fascinating to me that here you can go to college no matter what that you don't have to sort of get in the way that I had to get to law school in in Europe right through the exams and selection which we later learned were you know full of briberies but um yeah, I needed, you know, I had to have loans and and financial aid somewhere down the road. And I worked to do that. But it was fascinating to me that I could actually go to school and and, um, 
So, you know, a year turned into some 20 plus years. <laughs> 20 plus years. <laughs> so explain to us a little bit of the difference between a college selection in Europe and in college mm -hmm. selection here in the United States. Yeah, yeah. So um, in Czech Republic and many countries in Europe, you know, we don't do sort of bachelors and then go to law school or medical school. We go straight from high school. You can go to actually medical school, law school and, and so on and so forth. So that's very different right here. You mm -hmm. can do associates and bachelors and kind of figure out what you want to do. Um, mm -hmm. And so here I started actually going to a, um, a community college. And it was fascinating. I loved it so much. Although, you know, one, when I came to US, I had to contend with slang because that's not what oh. we teach in textbooks, right? And then <laughs> yes. also, then also, you know, learning from textbooks now technical language, whether it was, you know, oh, calculus yeah. or psychology, right? Very different language than what I was learning at school. So I remember the first year was probably the, the 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 community college the first year was probably the hardest year of my college here in, mm -hmm. in the U.S. And, and including grad school because one hand I had the textbook and in the other I had a dictionary and so it was just slow work you know um, but so so exciting and the fact that I could go to school at night so I worked during the day went to school yeah. at night right so that kind of flexibility was just absolutely incredible and um yeah eventually i went from there to bachelor's degree and and all the way to grad school um in europe or in back in your country do they have the like because in dominican republic sorry it's mm -hmm. like kind of like going to high school you you live at home you go to school during the day and then you come back home but here in the united states you can actually live in the university do they have that um yeah back yeah home? yeah absolutely in fact oh, the law okay. school that i applied to was in prague so i would have if i had gotten in i would have lived in prague which is about an hour away from my hometown and and definitely you stay sort of in dorms and yeah and live fully away mm -hmm. oh that's cool so I want to uh, ask you about, you know, learning English, because I know that that's big for um, immigrants. So mm -hmm. you said you, you came here, you had to learn uh, the slang. Mm -hmm. How did you feel like, or did you learn, or sorry, did you feel like you had to like relearn English all over again? Or do you feel like the English that you had known was helpful? How, how was that? It was definitely helpful. And then, you know, living with the family for a while definitely gave me space to practice plenty, but I did yeah. learn British English, right? So, yes. so that, that like to me now, when I hear British English, yes, it's different, but I have no trouble understanding it, but to be adjusting mm. to the speed and slang of American English definitely was an adjustment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you in Ohio? So I was in Ohio 1997 through um, 2005. So I did my, okay. um, um, you know, the community high, uh, community college, the bachelor's and, and graduate school. And then I ultimately got hired at the University of Michigan. Fun, fun oh. fact. Um, when I came to Columbus, I was wearing these uh, maize and blue sneakers. And I had no idea, you know, what that meant. But people in Columbus were giving me such a hard time about wearing maize and blue. I had no idea. And funnily enough, I guess, you know, ultimately those darn sneakers took me all the way to the land of maize and blue. <laughs> 
to, to Ann Arbor in Michigan. Did you, I know you said you came in through New York. Was that just to get to Ohio to be with uh, the family or did you actually live in New York for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, no, it was just for a week. You get sort of like an orientation, okay. you know, from the au pair program. And that's why I could get by with nearly no money because, you know, like food is provided, they, you know, education is provided. And then, then you ultimately go to your final destination after a week. Okay. And you stayed um, with the um, the family, you stayed them for a year? Um, I stayed with them for a year. And then, you know, um, they wanted me to stay longer, but I really was quite ready for school and figure okay. out a way, um, you know. To yeah. Stay that way. So, um, cause you are, you mentioned you studied psychology. So, so let's talk about that, how you ended up in, in the career that you're in now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I took psychology classes and, and absolutely fell in love, you know, and and it really didn't matter whether it was like a psychopathology or organizational psych, like I love them all. Um, someone told me that that is the way to possibly get into law school. So I thought, okay, great. But, um, took a detour you know I I really love the psychology classes so much and particularly a couple of my professors that I I didn't you know I changed my mind I figured law school is actually not for me Um, Mm -hmm. this is what I want to pursue and I really wanted to do psychotherapy you know um, really mental health care was non-existent in Czech Republic when I grew up right and and Mm -hmm. and U.S. certainly leads the way in mental health care. So that was really appealing. And I figured, you know, I want to be a, a psychotherapist. And so for grad school, I went to a school of social work. Um, and you can pursue different routes with that education from medical social work to school social work. But I just knew ultimately that I wanted to do psychotherapy, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's what I am. And I, I had a wonderful experience. Like one of my internships was at the Ohio State Counseling Center, and um, had wonderful mentors there and ultimately really fell in love with college mental health. And that's what I then got hired for to do after, you know, I graduated after I did fellowship at Ohio State, I was hired to do it at, at U of M. Okay. And you're, you're still um, at U of M? Yeah. Well, well, I stayed <laughs> at U of M for seven years. Um, okay. But uh, I actually uh, got married and and, um, found my husband in Ohio. And then we moved here for my job um, and ultimately, you know, had children shortly after we moved to Ann Arbor. And I wanted to do private practice, but the two jobs became just too much, right? With the two kids Mm -hmm. working for the university and doing private practice, eventually I just had to really decide one way or another it was just too much to juggle but the wonderful thing is that you know I still live in Ann Arbor which is very much a college town and my practice is right downtown so we still see all the students so I feel like I have a college counseling center away from a college counseling center you know what I mean just down the street so I've been pretty lucky to keep doing that work oh that's awesome um how would you say, or what would you say is your American dream? You know, that's a very good question. Um, and it has changed, you know, it has changed, changed so much, yeah. right? Okay. Um, 
from the being here for a year plan to pursuing law school to becoming a psychotherapist to you know i i have been fortunate enough to grow the practice from being a solo practitioner to having about 30 providers we make wow. a lot of impact and there is so much demand for our services and that to me, you know, it gives me so much meaning and purpose, right? Um, like, I I don't know, I get chills thinking about it, doing really, I know it sounds cliche, but I really do what I love. Um, yeah. And I can do it kind of forever, as long as my mind allows, you know, so for me, that is having a family, having, you know, I, I'm very fortunate, I don't have shortage of money or resources and arbor is a cool town um there are a lot of sort of cultural resources and you know it's a great town to raise kids like this is the american dream this you know is. And, and my book, like, I'm, I'm living it um don't get me wrong i have hustled like uh, when my practice was growing like my children would be helping me painting the walls yeah we would be there on mother's day right like it 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 doesn't happen overnight entrepreneurship mm -hmm. is hard um oh yes <laughs> but it has paid off right like now i yeah. get to sort of reap the fruit of all that labor and and a lot of fortunate events along the way what advice would you give someone who just moved to the United States? Mm -hmm. oh. Well, with the cross-cultural adjustment, I really think that people get caught off guard, just like you said, right? When they have sort of preconceived notions as to what it's going to mm -hmm. be and don't yeah. prepare that it will be maybe same in some ways, but also very different from the climate, the food, you know, all these mm -hmm. things. So take your time, know that there are going to be ups and ups and downs and that, that you will experience some culture shock where you're not going to love it. Um, I hope you can find opportunities. I mean, I know that not everyone is as fortunate as me that I live from a lot of privilege, um, but take your time, explore, immerse yourself in the culture as much as you can. But in the meantime, right, like also surround yourself with memories from home, you know, whether it's photos yeah. and now with technology, you can still be in touch with families and friends at home, but, you know, to a limit, right? So that you're not sort of getting always torn both ways, both directions, yeah. like also allow yourself to really immerse yourself here. Um yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, you have interviewed so many folks. What is the <laughs> predominant theme? What are people telling you? What is the magic? What does the trick? What's helpful? Um, honestly, it's just like embracing mm -hmm. um, the culture and also just, you know, being patient with yourself because it isn't a, a huge adjustment. It is. Um, and then also uh, someone said to make sure to learn the language. Mm -hmm. um, as quickly or as much as you can. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I like to ask because there, my podcast has been listened to in over 80 countries, which is something wow. that I had not expected when I started this. And like, you look at the numbers and you look at the, um, the data and I was like, what if there's our people listening, you know, around the world who are thinking of coming, who are, 
um, planning, you know, and now I have this platform where they're listening to people's experience of, you know, actually living here or coming here and how they adapted. Cause yes, we can watch movies, we can watch TV and, and stuff, but it's like, it's different seeing it than actually living it, you know? So that's why I ask about expectations, but then also why I ask about advice if anybody is thinking, you know, because it is, it is being listened to worldwide. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, this, this country was made up of immigrants and it's like the, uh, the American dream and, you know, um, so yeah, so that's why I asked in that, and those typically are the answers that I get, um, what uh any any last like advice or anything that you're working on that you would like people to connect with you with um i know that you are you know you have your your practice but is there anything specific that you're working on lately yeah 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 um so thank you for that um and and by the way if folks ever want to reach out uh you know in terms of sort of coming here, cross-cultural adjustment, anything that is helpful, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm with you. The language is super, super important. I, my, mm-hmm. my sister learned English just mostly from listening. So she didn't have the written language. Mm-hmm. And I know she struggled when she lived like in UK or Canada. So yeah, absolutely. The language is such a, such a huge piece and makes things so much easier. Um, and in terms of what I'm working on, um, so I work with general mental health, but also in a specialty of eating disorders and, and body image issues. And currently, um, I'm focusing on, I released a course for um, parents and caregivers of kids and teens with eating disorders. You know, it's a big passion of mine, because just like I grew up with limited information and limited resources, including mental health care, I know that there's still so much misinformation about eating disorders mm-hmm. and what families can do to support a child with eating disorders. And we know that if you have access to the right information in recovery of eating disorders, you can shortcut and, and sort of capitalize on that and really improve treatment outcomes, right? So again, so near and dear to my heart to get as much information out there as we can. And so you know, if folks are interested in that particular domain, then um, my website for that is Ilona Phillips. That's I-L-O-N-A Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S dot com. Um, but yeah, you know, general mental health is also um, big for me. Anxiety disorders, college mental health. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, how about we end it with one mental health tip? Mm, mm, mm. Such an excellent question. So I am a mindfulness geek and, okay. you know, mindfulness is all about sort of staying in the moment. Of course, mm-hmm. our thoughts often take us into the future or into the past. Um, and usually there's anxiety in the future. Um, so whenever possible, try to bring yourself back to right here, right now take things one day at a time, sometimes just one hour at the time. And, you know, whenever possible, sort of leave the judgments, the good, bad, right or wrong, and the shoulds um, at the door. Mm, How about that for a really simplified advice? Yes, I love it. I think, oh my gosh, that was so good. Thank you for that. And just thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story, your journey. Um, 
everyone has a different journey and story when they come here, different experiences. And honestly, like, I just, I just love listening to it all the good, the bad, the ugly, the learning, the different culture. So thank you so much for teaching me so much today. And um, yes, I will include your links for anyone who wants to get in contact or wants to learn more um, in the description and in the show notes. And just thank you so much for you today. You know, and thank you to you. It's such a, it has been such a pleasure connecting with you, uh, not just because you live in Michigan as well, which was oh. <laughs> really fun to find out. Um, but, you know, such an important work you are doing and um, keep at it. And thanks so much for having me. 